transform you, and some of it starts in the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. What a beautiful scripture. Do you need a new mind, a new way of thinking? The second thing that we need that I'm seeing God needs to transform is not only my mind, but my heart. So part of this comes out, we see it in the life of Paul, is I need the heart of God for the lost. Compassion for all people. Sometimes it's not just what I think, but it's the brokenness of my heart. We see this in the life of Paul. If you know his story, he was a killer of Christians. Very religious, top in his class, and he felt his job and calling in life was to kill Christians. On the road to Damascus, which I love, Jordan, Syria, on the road to Damascus, his life is transformed. He has an encounter with Christ, and not only is his life transformed, his way of thinking changes, and his heart for Christians entirely does a 180, flips. So he turns from a killer of Christians into the greatest supporter of because he becomes one himself. He gets a new heart. Maybe you need a new heart today. New way to look at the lost. I need to look at my late neighbors. It's easy to look at another country, these refugee children, these broken people, some of the people that we're working with in Israel and have a, a heart for them. I've watched a few documentaries before I left. There's some great ones out there. I can refer them you know, to you afterwards, but there's some great stuff on what the Syrian crisis is like. It's easy to get a heart for those people and say, God, help and use us. But I need that same heart for my neighbor, for the people in my community as well. Do you need a new heart? Then the last thing is this, a new plan or strategy. This is what I want to talk about, show you a few more pictures. And then as we move forward, I'll be sharing more with you. We'll be talking more. I'll, I'll tell you about some future plans that maybe you will go to Israel and Jordan or just Jordan. We got some exciting things that we're going to be praying and talk about with this plan and strategy, but maybe we need a new plan. And Paul will speak of this. I already shared this with you. It's not the church's responsibility to evangelize. We are to equip you. We are to practice it ourselves as individuals. But we as followers of Christ, if you are one today, are all called to share the gospel. It's not just get them to church. It's, it's going into all the world. The Bible teaches us, Jesus commanded us, go into all the world. All means what? All. Go into all the world. Across my street on Wydean Lane. You know, I need to. You don't don't take this as guilt or pressure. Some of it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for you the same. Find what works for you. But there are times when I need to get up, go across my street. And talk to my neighbor. And start seeing where God is already working. We've talked about this. And enter into where he's already doing something. There are so many times when it is, it is low-hanging fruit, right? It's just like, what 
because you took that step of faith and all of a sudden you're talking to them and they're like, man, I was thinking about church or I was thinking about Jesus or, or they just come and if you just ask them, how you doing? And if they're honest and go, um, life really stinks right now. Wow, how and you start engaging with them. Some of that's low-hanging fruit. You can just pick it and just go, wow. Can I pray with you? I know it's scary for a lot of people, but maybe we need to learn and get a new way of thinking, have a broken heart for the people that break the heart of God, you know, that, that we need to minister to and see that, and then this new strategy and plan. Do you need a new strategy? Have you expected the church to do the work for you? Do you now... Um, do you need the gospel yourself? If you're in here today and you don't know the good news of Jesus, but you're here, one, keep coming back, ask questions, talk to some of us that love Christ, follow him, and we will help you along this path. So what is Paul's strategy? And we'll share some more things over the next 10, 15 minutes here. Let me, let me share with you. Let's, let's pray for a new mind if you need that thinking. Let's Pray for a new heart if you need that. But how about this plan? What is it? Go to 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. And let me read this to you, and I'll share a few things with you out of it. This is something that Paul lays out. It's really simple. That Jesus practiced, and that I saw by Rod and Lana, his wife, and the team that they work with, practiced out in the school, um, and in the church, Paul, Jesus, these folks, and I need to, with great intention, practice this strategy and plan in reaching the lost. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Paul writes, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, and this is a little key little part in here, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. Then here's really key, but I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. He's obeying something greater. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. So he says, the Jew, the Gentile, the weak, he says in there earlier, all. My strategy is to bring all to Jesus. Not just some, but all. Yes, I try to find, this is great, common ground, with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. That is a challenge. Well, look at what it says. Doing everything I can to save some. I want to do everything I can to see people come to know the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for their sins, that he was buried and our old life is buried because he died for our sins, but he was risen from the grave, and we can have that transformed new life as well. Just like Paul experienced, we can have that because of him. And so because of that, Paul says, I'm going to do everything I can to save some. I'm going to travel this world. I'm going to get beaten and hurt. I'm going to do everything I can. 
to let people know about Jesus. I do everything to spread the good news and then listen to this and share in its blessings. We were able to go and share in the blessings of what God was doing through people and was able to do a little bit through us. Share in the blessings of what you do on a monthly basis when you give. Thank you. It goes to pay lights. It goes to sometimes keep this place cool in the heat. I don't know what it was like, you know, when I was gone. It sounded like you guys had worse weather than Israel, 100 and some degrees. It goes to pay salaries, to buy resources for the church work. But listen, a lot of times, a lot of that money... It's going to feed this. And it's needed, thank you. But we also need it to be going out, giving it away. Thank you, because part of what your money does, and we will do all we can to spread the good news, so that's why it goes to Israel and Jordan, to ministries in our community right here in the Rogue Valley, and other things as well, and we get to share in its blessings. So when Scott and I went, we're able to see what God is doing. And they love that people come. It costs a lot of money. Yes, it does. But they love it. It's encouraging. It's strengthening for them. We want to do both. Some of you can go, but some of you stay, you pray, and you give. We can all do those things. And it's worth it. I pray that we can do more. That we give more. We go more. Not just there, but here as well. It is worth it. Why? Because the good news of Jesus is being spread. And listen, we are sharing in its blessings. Thank you for doing that. So what, is, what does Paul tell us in these verses? Let me just kind of go through it quickly. I'm not going to try to explain everything. You can kind of read it again on your own. But number one... Paul is telling us to serve. The first thing we see in verse 19 and throughout this is he says one of the things that we're going to do, this plan and strategy, is we're going to serve all. I'm going to serve the Jew, the Gentile, the weak, the lost, the hurting. By serving, we add value to people's lives. When uh, over there and what, what you're supporting and doing, and we need to do it more here, when we go in, when we enter into the lives of people and serve them, you're adding value to them. What do you think it's like when these people that are displaced, broken, hurting, have been beaten down, some of them hiding if they do have faith, some of them are lost, struggling, displaced, all the stuff that they are physically, emotionally, and spiritually going through. What do you think it means when some people like us walk into their lives, serve them, give to them, love them, encourage them, pray for them? It adds value to someone's life where they've lost value. I don't know who I am anymore. I'm worthless. I can't go home. I don't have a home. I'm lost. Who am I? And suddenly you come in with the love of Christ and you serve them. It adds value to their life. You're not alone. You're not who others say you are. You're not just a refugee. You're not just misplaced. We are going to help you create a home, whether you're here for a long time or a little. I discovered that in the life of Wael and Hannah, this family in these pictures, 
they're not uh, Christians yet. And I say yet. Michael and Lisa Moore uh, have been ministering to them for about two years. They love Christians. They are interested in Christ. But if he becomes a Christian, there's a lot at, uh, at stake. And I don't really hold it against him. That's some decision he has to make. But he loved us. Now we, when you come in, you know when Paul's sitting there, I find common ground. What do you think one of my common grounds is? You, you, go, you guys know me well, don't you? So we're sitting there, and usually when you meet with Wael and, uh, and Hannah and their kids, Michael and Lisa say, they make this great traditional Syrian like dish with chicken and rice and these spices, you're blending it. So what do you think? I go, I go, we're not doing that tonight? What? And then they, Wiles speaks English and he goes, do you want to? And I go, you, you don't know me, but uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I want to. You find common ground. You find common ground and you start engaging. God's already working. He asked me lots of questions. We took a walk to the mall so that we could start creating this next dish. You can, you can go to the, uh, the, next, the next picture. So first, before we get the food, we got to stop at Starbucks. What? What's your problem with that, okay? <laughs> so we go to Starbucks. Uh, you can, yeah, stop there for a minute. And we then go to the grocery store. And uh, Journey Church, I'm, I'm just going to share with you. The truth is, uh, you bought us a giant meal. <laughs> I shared in the blessing, but you all paid for it, okay? <laughs> so you might go, I'm not paying for Ron to eat in Jordan. Well, you paid for Scott, too, and the entire family. <laughs> but he said, are you, like, that alone right there, we find, whatever it is for you. If you came to me, I shouldn't probably say this out loud, but, and maybe the elders and others would, you know, Brent will, will get on me. But if you came to me and said, I have an opportunity to share the gospel with the broken, but I need this to make it happen and I don't have it, I'm probably going to, I'm easy, say yes. So now you're all going to want to go eat, right? But it better be with the lost. Don't it, you want to invite me along? I'm, I'm in, okay? Depending on where we're going to eat. But uh, we find common ground. They, were, they loved it. But you know what we did? We didn't just sit there and, and let them make it. We all did it together. We all did it together. And so we sat down to the meal. It was all finished. Super delicious. Another couple came that had recently become Christians themselves. Both families, Wael, dad, um, he, was a, he was a lawyer. You know what he does now? Nothing. Who am I? When you serve, like Paul tells us, when you serve, like Jesus gave us the example, when you serve, you add value to their life. I know you're displaced. Your father has been missing. His mom and his brother were living with them in, in Jordan. They packed it up about a month ago. He hasn't heard from them to go find their father. I, I think it was like five years they haven't heard from him. They don't know if he's alive or not. When you serve, you add value to their life. 
You add value to people's life. And Paul says we share in its blessings. So for me, I got to eat this wonderful meal. But the discussion over the meal, during the preparation, all of that was just spectacular. To hear where God is already working. Serving needs to be relational. When I do this, I really, I really believe this. This is where I was challenged. I earn the right to share my faith by serving. Paul, Jesus, we earn the right. I got to talk to him about Jesus. We earn the right by walking to the mall together to go shopping, by prepping the meal together, by eating together. Even if he doesn't agree, he still listens. And he's thrilled that we're there. It takes time, and even more than that, it takes intention. When Jesus did this, do you remember some of the things that Jesus did, if you know the Gospels? If not, he ate with sinners. He earned the right. He added value. He was accused many times of, why does your master, Jesus, eat with, remember some of that language, with such scum? He says, I, Jesus might as well use the words of Paul, Right? Because I'll do anything outside of sin to spread the good news. The other thing that we learn in these verses in 19 through 22 is not only do we serve, but we serve all. Paul said that in there. We serve, we serve all. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved what? The world the world, all people. Say out loud with me. Repeat these words. God loves me. Then look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Oh, you're so good. Then say, God loves people I don't know. And then say, God loves people I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't like that, did you? I tricked you. (laughs) I heard John Maxwell do that in It comes up for me to go, what do I think about these refugees, Muslims, my neighbor? Paul teaches us to serve all. But the church often, we've made it really hard for people. These types of signs are everywhere. You can see here in Israel especially. I'm entering into a site. It's harder to see. There's no no guns. Some of them are so funny. I guess no swimming, no kitchen utensils, no bikes, no dogs. Well, it looks like you can take a bike in there, I guess, huh? And I can't even see that other one. And then there's, it, it gives you a little diagram on the clothing you can wear. And John Maxwell said this when I heard this teaching. I thought it was interesting, a good challenge for me. Do I have a greater desire to connect with lost people or correct lost people? And the the truth is, my heart needs to change in mindset because a lot of times the first engagement is, oh, I need to correct them before they can enter in and come in, before I will engage with them. It's a good challenge maybe you can think about. Paul also says in there that we not only serve and we serve all, but he says, I serve from my identity. I must know whose and who I am. 
That's very important. Because in there, I, I pointed it out to you. He says, listen, I'll do anything to save the lost. To the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the Gentile, I'm a Gentile. To the weak, I'm weak. All that stuff he says. But notice what he says in there. I'll obey the law when I need to. I'll do all this. There's a lot behind that. But what interesting, he comes all to this one point. He says, but listen, I follow something different because I obey the law of Christ. He knows whose God's he is, and he knows who he, he is in him. I'm his beloved. I'm his child. I'm loved by him unconditionally. See, when you know that, then you have confidence to go out there, right? It's not to be like them. Paul doesn't say, I'm like them. I want to fool them. I want them to think that I'm like them in the world. He doesn't say that. He says, I obey the law of Christ. I know who and whose I am, and it gives me confidence when I go out there. I can enter into any situation because I know who I am. I know my value in him. And Paul tells us we serve from our identity. God's beloved, his child, his follower, a new creation. I need to know it in my mind, my heart. That's what compels me to go. It gives me confidence. It's why Paul can be all things, and yet he's not like them, but he does like them. Jesus always did this. He knew whose and who he was. So he was always going out. That's why he'd go in and he'd speak to the religious, the sinner. He'd talk to the Samaritan woman at the well, to people he wasn't supposed to be around. He would touch the lever when religion said don't. He would enter into the homes of, man, the worst of sinners, the scum of life, because he knew whose and who he was, and he would do anything to share the good news. We need that so much. It's why it's called, I think it was, I don't remember which pastor said, it's called the Great Commission. It's not the Great Invitation. And always we, our evangelism turns into the invitation, but when you know these things, you go out. The other thing that Paul teaches us is that we serve in their world. And we've already mentioned this a bunch, but he's always entering into their world when we enter into their world and uh, don't expect them to always come to us, we can speak identity, values, we can serve, we can share the gospel. This is where we hear their questions, we discover their hurts, where they need healing, their dreams. This is where we hear their story. We got to hear plenty of people's stories. And this is where we can share ours and God's because we've earned the right. I've entered in to their home, to their place. Just by that alone, sometimes, we're able to share anything we want when we enter into their world. This uh, uh, picture here is uh, of a group of us, the young man in the yellow. I can't remember how old he was, 19, 20, something like that. His name's Karim. He's a Druze. And uh, he had some sort of online relationship. I don't know if it was a girlfriend or something like that with a girl in the States, or actually it was Canada. And this girl told him one time, I don't know the whole details to it, but just told him, he, he had a list of problems and the girl said, Jesus can help you with any of your problems. And so 
when they start going into Azraq, this is a place way out there in Jordan, the church did to work with the Syrian refugees and the Druze kids. I showed you some pictures in the beginning. He knew that they were a church and Christians. He drove up while we were there and he asked pastor and some of us to come talk to him about Jesus when we were done. I don't think at first Rod wanted to do that because we had other things going on, but he said, we got another opportunity, we're going. So Scott and I and Michael and, and, uh, and, and the other guys showed up later. We went to his house. He set out some chairs. They brought out some tea and uh, we started talking about Jesus. He had questions. His dad came, who's in the brown there with a graphic on his shirt. His dad, um, again, there's a lot behind this story, just showed up, and it ended up being more at that point about him because he'd seen one time that, you know, guys ever seen the Jesus film that they use for evangelism? He saw that one time. He's got more questions about Jesus. Muslims are coming to faith even from a movie that I think's a little outdated, but it talks about Jesus in their language. Karim asked if Rod would come back over the next weeks and meet with him. So Lord, we pray for Karim right now that he will come to faith in you because we enter into their world. We see you working. We serve them. And we do that in our own backyard as well. Amen. This is where we can creatively sow God's seed. The worship team can come up. I'm going to wrap up. This is where, when we have these experiences, we can create wonder and hunger and questions. Jesus always did this. And then as I told you earlier, we get to share in the blessings of all of this. That there's people coming to know Christ where we get to share the hope we have. And then we get experiences like this and then we'll pray and, and uh, take communion together. We're, this is the last day that we're there. We're back in the community where the school is that we support. We've talked to this woman and her family, the kids, this uh, husband of hers, this um, Muslim man had divorced her, abandoned her, married some other woman. She's feeling displaced. She has these kids. And right now they're praying. We asked, you know, can we pray with you? And they're praying. You can keep clicking through these. They're sharing right now afterwards some stuff about Christ, about family, about marriage. Typical problems that we have, they have as well. You can go. And then we took a big old group photo we get to share in the blessings of experiencing that. And then right before we left, just pause there for a minute. This is Muhammad. He received, and this is a big deal. This is like Lisa, I took a picture of him because he asked for a picture, but handing a Bible out in the open like that is very dangerous. And he asked, they gave him a Bible. He wants to know about Jesus. This little young man and Lord, we lift up Muhammad too. May he come to know you for himself despite all the things that would cause him or be struggles to know you. In your name. If you would stand with me.
We're going to take communion together. Um, we're gonna, I'm just going to let you go right during the song just because I took a little extra time. Um, and uh, one of the last days there, we got back from Jordan. And uh, I stopped at a new place that I haven't had the time to go. It's Tabga. You can click to the next last slide there. And uh, I thought it was a good challenge for me. I took a picture of a placard that is in a place where they have this rock. They build churches over everything that they think Jesus maybe did something there. And this is at Tabga where they say he laid the loaves and fishes on a rock and then fed the thousands. So they built an altar and a church over that rock. So I got to go see that rock, man, you know. <laughs> so I went and saw the rock. It's right on the, the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful spot. And this plaque was there. And uh, it represents that whole experience, that whole story. And also where they say, you know, go out and let down the net. There's a whole beautiful story where Jesus says, hey, you haven't caught any fish. Go out there, let down your net again. And then this quote was underneath it. The deeds and miracles of Jesus are not actions of the past. Jesus is waiting for those who are still prepared to take rests, risks at his word because they trust his power utterly. And I thought, what a beautiful little quote. I don't know who wrote it, what monk put it down, or who knows. But it says, what Jesus did, it's not, it's not the past. We're not just telling good stories. It's happening in the present if we will take risks based upon his power and trusting in him. So when I tell you today, man, the strategy is for you to go serve your neighbor or go to Jordan or go into their home or show them love, that we're going to combat, you know, a lot of the things going on with love and service and grace, that we're not going to try to correct, we're going to try to connect for the sake of the gospel. All those things, listen, it's going to take risk. And the other thing is this, you cannot do it on your own. You're not good enough or strong enough apart from Christ. So when we take communion today, maybe you need a new heart, a new mind. You need to embrace a new plan or strategy. Maybe you need to risk more. I don't know what it is, but would you let communion, this song, as we kind of sing, take it. I'll come up and just pray for us to go. But maybe communion is Jesus that starts right here. Thank you for your death. You cleanse me from sin. Thank you for your burial. Man, I can become a new person because the old is gone. There's a new Ron. I'm transformed because of you. So transform my mind, my heart, and may I embrace your plan and strategy to win the lost, no matter the cost. And Father, today, as we take communion and sing to wrap up, we embrace that today. Maybe there's someone here that needs a new heart. Man, they don't even know you, but want to give their life to you. Maybe they're thinking about it. Man, keep stirring up your work in them. Lord, maybe we need a new mind, how we see things, how we kind of think about things, and especially think about the loss. Maybe it's just a whole new plan. We've expected someone else to do it for us when you called us all. Maybe we try to do it on our own. But whatever it is, God, we need you. And we embrace what you've done for us and who we are in you because of what you've done for us today. We find our identity in you. If there's anyone that's struggling with that broken or hurt, help them and help us help them as well. 
So again, thank you for your blood represented in this juice that washes us clean from sin, your body that you gave willingly for us, and we remember that through this piece of bread. Thank you for what you've done for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Commune's in the front, back. Some prayer partners are back there. Get it, take it if you'd like. Sing along as you're taking the communion, and uh, I'll pray for you.